Well, we always uh, look forward. In fact, it's kind of become a tradition uh, here at Northwest for us to have uh, one of my favorite guys, and that's uh, Mr. Ken Rudolph. God has used this man literally all over the globe to minister, I said tens of thousands, but I believe probably at this point it's hundreds of thousands of people, and uh, used him in an incredible uh, way. He is uh, the speaker uh, for the high school weeks of camp up at Lake Ann Camp up in Michigan, uh, but Ken has an incredibly unique ability to be able to communicate uh, with kids. Uh, so would you give a uh, big Northwest welcome, Mr. Ken Rudolph. Well, it's great to be back at Northwest, and uh, I got to tell you, I, we do have a special relationship with your pastors, uh, especially Brian and Diana. We knew them when they were kind of dating, and I tried to hook Diana with some, somebody else one time, but <laughs> God is like, no, 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 no. He was kind of a nerd anyways, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so the Lord kept me from my insanity there, and it got you a really good husband. Yes. <laughs> we love Brian and Diana so much. And then, of course, Jerry and, and Becca, we knew them uh, back when they were in high school. They used to come to the Teen Leadership Conference at Baptist Bible College. And Jerry was best friends with my two boys, also was the youth director of my youngest boy. So he's had a real impact uh, with my family. And, of course, I, I love speaking at camp. Uh, that's when I can really be myself. Uh, my dad was always saying, you've never grown up, you know, and, and I was like, yes, I don't want to grow up. So I, I'm like Peter Pan, right? Just, I never want to grow up. So anyways, that's why I enjoy doing camp work, and I guess I'll put up with you adults today. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know if you're familiar with... Uh, some Christians, uh, I call them spooky Christians. You ever met spooky Christians? You know, everything's always mysterious, and, you know, God's always talking to them, and they're always looking for signs and spooky stuff about the Christian life. It's so unreachable. You know, they've got it, but you don't. And, and uh, you know, if a branch falls out of the tree, they're like, God, am I supposed to branch out, you know? And, and uh, you know, things like that. I... I, I was kind of like that when I was younger. I always wanted to, but the more I study the Bible, the more I find out how reachable it is to be a spiritual Christian. Sometimes I think we make it so hard and we're like, you know, well, what do I have to do? Fast for many days and pray for hours without stopping and then maybe something will happen to me. Well, this morning I want to talk about being filled with the Spirit because I think we've kind of made it into a very mysterious thing. And the more I studied it as I became a pastor and grew in my Christian life, I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's right there in the scriptures how to be filled with the Spirit. It's, nothing, it's not that spooky. It's just stuff you're supposed to do and obedience. So I want you to look at Romans, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a, a parallelism here that God is bringing to us. It's kind of like, can you get the idea that being filled with the Spirit is kind of like being filled with wine, which can cause drunkenness. Now, I want to ask you, first of all, how many of you ever got drunk by mistake? 
okay? It's like, whoa, whoa. This bottle of wine just started chasing me around. And, and, and I was like, get out of here, man. I don't want to be drunk, you know. And, but it, this bottle would not give up. And all of a sudden, a cork popped out. And it shoved the neck of the bottle down my throat. And I was like, stop, stop. And it empties its contents into my body. And I got drunk. It was so mysterious. You know, and I, I, I couldn't do anything about it. No, that's stupid. Okay, you get drunk by doing something, taking a bottle of wine and drinking it, okay? Well, how do you get filled with the Spirit? Well, why don't you turn to Colossians. There's a, you know, Colossians is kind of a parallel book to Ephesians. A lot of stuff we find in Ephesians, we find in Colossians. But turn to Colossians, if you would, in chapter 3, and you're going to find that this is very similar to what is written here in Ephesians 5. Verse 16, would you drop down to verse 16 in Colossians 3. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Let's go back to Ephesians 5, okay? Let's see how close this is. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, in your, uh, melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound similar? Okay, so, but what's the difference? The one says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, then singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And this is be filled with the Spirit, singing to yourselves. So, you know what I think? If we To be drunk is by filling yourself with wine. To be filled with the Spirit is filling yourself with the Word of God. In other words, knowing what He says and letting the Holy Spirit take those truths and change your life. That's, to me, that's, that's simply what it is. Knowing what God says and saying, I will obey this, I will do this. I will choose to do that, okay? And it says when you are filled with the Spirit, there's going to be three things you can choose to do. So if you're taking notes, I want to talk about three intentional choices to be filled with the Spirit, okay? Three intentional choices to be filled with the Spirit. These are things we can intentionally choose to do, decisions we can make. It's not a spooky thing like, Spirit, come upon me. Whoa, where are you? Now oh, I'm filled with the Spirit. You know, I am equipped now to be mighty. And No, it's just God's like, here you go, fill yourself up with the Word of God. Well, that's the first thing we need to do is, is make sure we're having a devotional life. You know, one of the things I think is disappearing from Christianity is a daily devotional life. So can I first of all encourage you to do that? Have a time every day when you will fill yourself with the Word of God. You'll be surprised how many times it will stop you in your tracks and say, ooh, I forgot about that. Wow, that's a, that's a good reminder. And so that's the first thing I want to say is that it's very simply filling yourself with the Word of God, knowing what it's saying. So here's the first intentional choice I want to share with you this morning to be filled with spirit. Number one, address one another and the Lord in song, okay? 
So it says in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Then I think it tells us how to do that. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So it says here's how you can do it, by addressing one another with these truths of the word and song. Now listen, I think song is a powerful, powerful weapon that God has given to us. Singing is something I, that really frees us. And I think one of the things is like, one of the, one of the things music does is that it opens up our hearts. It opens up our hearts to be free, to, to accept these truths. Sometimes I think there's a resistance to the truth of God. But singing is a way of opening our hearts. That's why we do it before we open the Word of God, to open your hearts to the Word of God. And, and uh, singing is something that's a very spiritual, human spiritual exercise. Now, we can use it in the wrong way. In fact, do you ever notice when people get filled with wine, what do they do when they get drunk? They sing, right? I once had a girl and her name was Matilda. You know, and whoa, it loosens them up. It opens their spirit. And I think that's what singing does. Now, when I ask you, when you came this morning, did you come to say, I am going to participate in the worship by singing to one another and to the Lord this morning? Did you come in saying, that's my duty? Or were you coming in like, all right, this better be good this morning? This better, you know, here I am, you got your cards, one through ten, you know, eight, set, you know, do you, you, are you the judge, or do you like, hey, it's my job to come in and help the worship team. I'm supposed to come in and sing to one another, to sing with all my heart. There's a difference between singing out with your heart or just sitting there like, oh, I don't sing very well, or I just got out of bed and I'm kind of groggy, you know, and you, know, you better wake me up, you know. Come on, worship team. Come on, it's your duty. Oh, they stink, man. I... No, I'll tell you what. It's your duty to come in here ready to worship, amen? Sing to address one another in the Lord. Now, what is a, a psalm? A psalm is a, it's a song that's accompanied by instruments, and we do that, okay? So that's very biblical to sing with instruments. Secondly, a hymn is a song to God. It's a, God it's a song adoring God. Like, God, you are my everything. I think we sang that this morning. God, you mean everything to me. You're, you're my essence of life. And God, you're wonderful, and you're powerful, and you're magnificent, and, and you're the God of all the earth, we sang this morning. And, you know, hey, it's all about you. So that's singing to God, and that's worshiping him, giving him credit. What's a spiritual song? A spiritual song is a, is a reference to how I feel in my human spirit. And we could sing songs of joy. One of the things is, man, when you hit Scripture and, and you're reading that Scripture and you, you discover something. Um, I, re, I remember when I, uh, in reading Ephesians one time, when I was a discouraged pastor, and, and I read Ephesians 1, 6, and it says, To the praise of the glory of God's grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. You see, I was so full of performance. I'm like, oh God, I'm not a good pastor. My church isn't growing. People haven't got saved in a long time. And, and I had even skipped my devotions a couple days in a row because I was so discouraged. And I'm like, I'm sure God's about ready to kill me because I'm a bad pastor. I'm not performing. 
And all of a sudden I realized this sense that I'm accepted not for what I do, but what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I'm accepted in the beloved. All of a sudden, there was freedom and joy, and I'm like, whoa, I want to sing to God. I want to sing to one another. God has set me free. I'm free indeed. Amen? That's one of the songs we're going to sing at the closing of the service today, and I'm, I was sitting there. I was like, I remember that freedom. Woo! Okay? You don't just think, I am free in Jesus. Free, free, free. Hey, I'll tell you what, you better let the truths of God really grip your life. Amen? That's to be filled with the Spirit. And so we, we can sing to one another. And, uh, and so, that, so sometimes there's these expressions of joy. And, but they're supposed to be biblical. I remember one time when my youngest son, Richard, uh, I, I was traveling. I was uh, traveling around speaking. I was coming home. My wife calls me. She says, uh, hey, listen, when you get home, you better make sure your son, Richard, your youngest son, he wants some time with you. He loved to go to the mall and buy video games, okay? And uh, so take him to the video game store and buy him a video or something. You know, he, you got to spend time with him. I'm like, all right. He's really looking forward to it. But, he's, but he, he had mentioned to me, you're probably not going to want to go because you're tired. I was like, okay, I'm ready. So I came home, and he, says, he comes walking out. Hi, Dad. You probably don't want to go to the mall, do you? And I was like, no, I'm going to go to, I want to take you to the mall, and we're going to buy a video game. And he goes, really? I'm like, yeah, go change your clothes, and we'll get going. We had his school clothes on, so he went to get his, his uh, you know, old clothes on. And he runs into the bedroom, and he's got this joy in his heart. Uh, because of the truth, we're going to the mall. And I remember he goes in and he goes, we're going to the mall, we're going to the mall. Oh, yeah, come on, baby, we're going to the mall, the mall, the mall, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's changing his clothes. And I'm like, now there's a spiritual song, okay? <laughs> but what was the truth he was singing about? I'm going to the mall and I'm getting myself a video game. So there's joy and it's expressed. It just comes out naturally. Well, yes, I think that, that should be the way we sing when we're filled with the Word of God and we're like, I'm so filled with this joy and this truth, it comes out. Amen? And that's when congregational singing is really good. Now, I think there's also spiritual songs that come out when we are sad, when we're broken. And you come in and you're like, you know what? I need, I need a song that's going to express my spirit for the pain I'm going through. And I, I'm thinking of some of the old hymns, you know, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus, you know. Sometimes the days seem long, our trials hard to bear. And you're like, yeah, God, it will be worth it all. Like, yes, Jesus, you know, or, or uh, uh, some of the modern songs, I, Lord, I come running into your arms. I'm running to your arms. I need you. Amen. And so, those, so God's like, listen, I know you need all sorts of songs to express your spirit. But if you're filled with the Word of God, we can meet both the joy and the comfort of all spectrums of life and it's expressed in singing. And just like people drink to forget their sorrows, they drink to have joy. Some like, I can't have fun unless I drink and, and so I can blot out reality. No, we face reality totally with the Word of God and with God, our our. our our Savior, and we can face everything, and, it, and it, we can express it in song. That is an indication you're filled with the Spirit. 
And we can do that singing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Amen? So that's the first thing I think we can do. So think about that. When you come to church, are you coming to participate or to spectate? And that's, that's a, a good question to ask yourself, to fill yourself with the Word of God before you come to church and, and sing to Him and to one another. There's a second intentional choice that we can make to be filled with the Spirit. That's in verse 20. Be filled with the Spirit, then verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I like that verse. Give thanks always in everything. Always in everything, that kind of covers it all, amen? But then you get some of these people, they always meet me at the door after church, they're like, you know what? I don't think we can do it always and for everything. What about, you know, they'll give me some tragic experience in their life. I said, well, you know, can't you just take the last part of that verse and, and put it in context where it says addressing, or excuse me, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is, is the Lord Jesus Christ working everything together for good? Is that true? Yes, if you have the word of God dwelling richly in your heart, you will know that. And so you can give thanks for even the tragedies because you say, I know something's going to work out good in this. It may be hard, but I can be thankful for it. This morning I woke up. I, yesterday I didn't feel very good. I said, God, why would you make me sick? You know, I'm trying to, I want to preach. I want to, I want to minister to people. Why, why, can't you just take the sickness away? And I woke up this morning still feeling kind of weak, and I said, but Lord, I said, you know what? i got to practice what I'm preaching this morning. Thank you for my sickness, amen? Thank you for my sickness. And then I bent down to pick something up. My back went out, you know? And, and I was like, and thank you for my back, too, you know? And like, Lord, what are you doing? Come on. And sometimes we feel that way in life. Can I give thanks for everything? I'll never forget when I was trying to learn this, being filled with the Spirit. I'm like, I need more of a thankful spirit because I was kind of a complainer, you know. Oh, God, why don't you do that? Blah, 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 you know, and I was complaining. And anyways, finally, I was able to buy this really cool car. It was one of my favorite cars. It was, it was an Olds 98, and they just would float down the road, you know. My kids called it the hovercraft, you know. They, and they also called it the poopmobile because it was brown, you know. But, but that was an old man's car, and I loved it. And I had a computer would talk to me, you know, like, your fuel is low, you know. And I was like, this is a cool car, you know. And if you, you know, left your key in the ignition, you open the door, your keys are in the ignition. I was like, wow. If I got lonely, I'd just open the door and it would say, you know, uh, you know your, your door is ajar, you know. I'm like, cool, wow, you know. So this, this car was my talking car. I thought I was so rich to have a talking car. After a while, it would drive you nuts. But anyways, I... I kind of like this car, and one day I came home from a, I flew into Allentown, I lived up in around Scranton, and so I had to drive home from the airport there, and I landed, it's been a long weekend, and, and uh, jumped in my beautiful, super-duper brown Olds 98 that floated down the road, and, and I was like, I want to get home, man, I've been out all weekend, and I jumped in that car, and I'm driving furiously, man, I'm, and it was foggy out, I'm like, God, why do you have to give us fog for, you know, and, but I said, there's that white line on the road, and right on the edge of the road, I'm going to follow it. I'm just looking for, you know, taillights as I go. So I'm going 65, watching that line. All of a sudden, 
there was an animal that didn't have taillights. A big eight-point buck. Standing right, I mean, standing broad side to the, you know, looking at me like, where, where'd you come from, you know? And, and I, all I, I mean, I didn't have time to react. I just took my foot off the gas and boom, I hit him. Now, now an old 98 is a big car. I hit that deer. He went like a helicopter flying through the air that way, you know? I mean, something like, oh, I hit the deer and he came into my car. No, he went that way. And I hit him with my, my beautiful car and, and, I, and I pulled over and I got out and I looked at my car and here's the radiator uh, the coolant draining on my radiator, my car smashed. I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is the nice car you gave me. Why? I got this thought, you know, can't you keep deer in the woods? Aren't you in charge of nature? Did you ever get those thoughts? Like, God, I'm going to straighten you out. And I got in my car and God said, now, now, come on. What is being filled with the Spirit? But this is my good car, Lord. Are you going to give me thanks for this? Like, wow. So I, I said, I got to get to the toll booth before I, my radiator runs out. Of, so I take off. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, Lord I, I thank you for smashing my car with a stupid deer. Even though I think it would have been good to not do that. But thank you, Lord. I'm like, wow, man, that's, that's good. And all of a sudden this voice come on, your coolant is low, you know. I was like, whoa, this is a cool car. So anyways, I got to the, the, the toll booth. I paid my toll, and then I called my wife. I said, listen, you got to come and get me. I said, I just wrecked my car. She goes, you sound happy. I was like, I'm just trusting the Lord, giving thanks for everything. Well, I'll tell you a story. That, that weekend I had been at that uh, youth retreat. I met a guy. He says, hey, I says, I'm a car dealer. He says, you need a car? I'm like, no, I got a car. I got a great car. He goes, well, if you ever need a car, give me a call. The next Monday, I call him up. Hello, you know, I said, I need a car. I said, uh, he said, what'd you have? I said, I had an Olds 98. He says, I got an Olds 98 on my lot. And he says, and had half the mileage. It was a newer model. It was everything better. And God was just like, Ken, I was just upgrading you, okay? And uh, with the money, he says, I'll give it to you for half price. I mean, I'm telling you, it all worked out great. And, but, you know, God has his purposes for everything. But can we give thanks for everything? Amen? Say, what about the tragedies? Listen, we can even deal with those in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he knows everything. Amen? And so I think a thankful spirit is part of the, the mark of a spirit-filled person. There's one last thing here. In verse 21, be filled with the Spirit by, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Number three, we can, we can uh, thank, or we can be filled with the Spirit by submitting to one another, submitting to one another. Now, I like it that it says submitting one to another, because a lot of times we have talk about submission today, and everybody gets all bristly, you know, like... I ain't submitting to nobody. I'm an American. We're free, you know. Or the women, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm not submitting to nobody, you know. And you Christians, you got it wrong, you know. And, and so you know, we get to verse 22, and men are like, open your Bibles, women. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands and to the Lord. Amen. Close your Bible. Let's go home. It's in the Bible, woman. 
right there. Now, wait a minute. What about verse 21, submitting one to another? Hey, let's look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hey, the man has to submit too by loving his wife. That, that takes some work sometimes. That takes some submitting. When I started learning about how my wife was wired, okay, you know, in, in 1 Peter it says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. When I started learning what my wife was like, I'm like, oh my word, this is tough. Because I like to love, see, I'm a, I like to be, I'm a, a person of words of affirmation, you know. I want my wife to say, you're so strong. You're so handsome. Oh, you're such a good preacher. You know, that, that's what feeds me. I'm like, you, she loves me. She'd always say, that sermon didn't get started very well, you know. <laughs> well, you're not the most handsome man, but I, you love the Lord, you know. So. <laughs> or I'd buy her flowers, and she's like, hey, we can't afford flowers. And I'm like, oh, man, how can I love her? Well, then we read this book, you know, The Five Love Languages, and I find out she's words, or she's uh, acts of service. Now, I'm the laziest person you're ever going to meet, okay? <laughs> I'm like, you mean I got to do things for her? Yeah, just like Jesus gave up himself for you. My wife was always, like, concerned about the, how the house is going to look, you know? Saturdays, what are Saturdays for, men? Football. College football. That's when the leaves fall off the trees. My wife's like, when are you going to rake the leaves? I'm like, she's, if it, is it going to kill the grass? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So then I'd, she'd be out there raking. It's okay. I just want to get it done before it kills the grass. And then God's like, submit yourself. You get out there and rake those leaves. I don't want to. That's how, you're gonna, that's how you love her. Submit to what she likes. I started realizing this. I said, you know what? I'm always asking her, where's my wash? How come my wash isn't done? i got to take another trip. And God's like, do your own wash. That would, she would love that. So I went to her one day. I said, I'm going to do my own washing and ironing. You love me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I've got to. Submitting yourself one to another. And of course, when I'd rake the leaves, I'd be like, okay, wife, how about I rake the leaves? Oh, honey, thank you for raking the leaves. You know, she's, you know, words of affirmation. So, you know, we have this submission one to another. And it, be, it can be a, become a wonderful thing or it can be a hard thing. Amen? So that's one. listen, ladies, it's not just you submitting to the husbands. Husbands, listen to this. It's you submitting to them too. And then he, Paul gives us another illustration of submitting one to another. Look at chapter 6. Kids, you'll love this one. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You little brats. <laughs> I got scripture here. Oh, wait a minute. What about verse 4? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I like what it says in the parallel book of Colossians where it says, fathers, don't irritate your children lest they be depressed. Listen, there's a submission. Not only children obey your parents, but listen, fathers, we have a responsibility not to irritate our kids. 
I'll tell you what, I grew up on a farm. My dad, every time I worked with him, you're an idiot. You're stupid. Don't you have a brain in your head? Don't you know how to chase cows? Don't you know how to plow? Don't you know how to drag? Don't you know how to rake? Are you stupid? You're never going to mount anything. It says, lest they be depressed. I'll tell you, that depressed me. And then one day I had kids. My poor oldest son who's here today is like, what's wrong with you? Don't you have a brain in your head? Don't you tell me what you're going to do? You know, and finally God, the Holy Spirit said, hey, you're breaking him. You're crushing him. He says, you submit yourself to him and bring him up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. He needs kindness. He's not trying to be a rebel. He just doesn't understand some things. And I had to start being a little kinder. I'd say, go out and mow the lawn. He'd mow the lawn. Do you ever... Fathers, you know, when you tell your kids to start teaching them how to mow the lawn, they live big swaths of grass out there. You're like, come here, come on. You see this tall grass? Nope. (laughs) You don't see this. This is low, this is high. (laughs) Nope. Okay, thanks for doing the best you could. You might want to overlap your wheels, you know. What's that mean? (laughs) I'll tell you what, I had to start, you know, quit beating him down or you're going to crush him. I remember how much the Lord helped me with my own depression. When he said, Ken, if I'm telling you not to depress your kids, quit irritating them, quit, you know, but, but be concerned about them. You know, be kind. You know, don't be so, you know, and, and he says, Wouldn't, you, have, you would have loved that if your dad would have done that for you. He says, so do it, you know, and so I've learned, and then I thought, God, that means you wouldn't depress me either. You're not irritating me. You're not giving me a marriage that's too hard for me. You're not giving me a church that's too hard for me. You're not giving me these tasks in life, like running into a deer with my beautiful car. These are not things to irritate me. Because if you say, don't depress your kids, you're not depressing me. And so it helped me so much realizing that God was this kind God. And he filled me with his spirit. And he says, hey, I'm submitting to you too, Ken Rudolph. I'm loving you as Christ loved the church. And so, listen, that's what helped heal me. And I I think it really helped heal my children too. And so we can submit one to another. There's work to do, men. There's work to do, moms. Not only do you want the kids to submit to you, but you need to submit to them, and it's hard. But the Holy Spirit can help us do that. Amen? Here's a third example here in verse 5 of chapter 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Like, oh, we don't like that. But jump down to verse 9. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. In other words, these, both of these submissions is to take out that oppressiveness out of your lives, whether it's in the workplace or in the home. Listen, you don't want to have this oppressiveness. And if you're reading the Scriptures, if you're filled with the Scriptures, it's going to warn you about the things you're making mistakes with. I remember in uh, looking at Ephesians 4 and verse 29. One day the Lord spoke to me with this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, one of the things God, the Holy Spirit, started as I was reading this, I'm like, you know what? I'm always that way in public. I'm always kind to everybody with my words and ministering grace. But in my home, I said, sometimes I'm a little tart with my wife. 
Now, my wife's just about almost perfect. I mean that. But she has one flaw. She leaves drawers open and cupboard doors open. I don't know what it's about closing stuff. Oh, and I'll add one more thing. She'll leave the cap off of the toothpaste. Can't you just, can't you just close the drawers? That's how I would address that. I bang my head on an open cupboard door. Bang, ow, oh, it's Jenner, get in there. Look what I did. You left the door. Why do you leave the door? I don't know, I just always do. I'll try to do better. She never does. But boy, there was that oppressiveness in my voice. And then I go out and, you know, if I had a, out at the church at a, you know, a, a, a potluck dinner or something, you go, in the, go into the kitchen and bang your head on a door and somebody left to open. You're like, oh, it's okay, brother. <laughs> you know, stupid idiot, you know. <laughs> God said, Ken, if you can control your tongue in public, you can do it in your home. I'm a spooky Christian. <laughs> and I said, okay, God, I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to stop this oppressiveness. I'm going to start just, and when my wife leaves the drawers open, I just kind of giggle inside. I'm like, that's the way she is. And I close the drawer and I never say anything about it anymore. I'm like, that's just the way it's going to be. Instead of, I want, I want peace in my home. I want kindness. Amen? Kindness to our children. Kindness, not, now, there's, doesn't mean there's not times that need to be reprimanded, corrected, but sometimes without that oppressiveness. Same thing, you hate a boss who's oppressive. And so here's, those are those three ways in which he gives us examples. But then as we close here, being filled with the Spirit, I think he says in verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, there's also another example. I think he says, finally, you know what? We also need to submit ourselves to the Lord to be strong in the Lord. We need the word of God to be strong, amen? Later on, it talks about the shield of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Listen, the, the schemes of the devil, the devil, he'll be whispering lies to you. And that's why we need to be filled with the word of God so we can meet his lies with truth. And when he says, you're no good because you're not performing, you haven't had your devotions in a couple days, I'll bet you God's angry at you. I'm like, no, wait a minute to the praise of the glory of his grace in which I'm accepted in the beloved. And I knock that fiery arrow right off of myself and I don't listen to those lies. And I'm filled with the spirit by submitting myself to God and saying, God, you be powerful in me. You work in me. And Paul goes on to talk about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God. So we have all these pieces of armor we can put on and they're all referring to things we find from the word of God, peace and truth and salvation that means a sense of deliverance. God, you're always going to deliver because you're the Savior. Amen? And listen, maybe if you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, you may need the helmet of salvation to change your thinking around to the fact that 
you can't deliver yourself. Only Jesus, who died on the cross and spilled his blood to redeem us. He's the only one who can save us. And after we're saved from our sins, he's one who continues to save us from ourselves, to fill us with his spirit so that we can live the life we ought to live. Amen? And Paul ends here in chapter 6. He says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Listen, being filled with the Spirit also makes you a person of prayer. Not only a person of filled with the Word, but he says also praying always in the Spirit. He said praying for one another. Listen, I believe prayer is something God ordained for us to carry on His work. Amen? It's not just a thing that warms our heart, it's kind of a thing to well, kind of keep in touch with God. No, he's like, this is a way to work. And he says, pray for me that I might open my mouth boldly. I know the last few weeks you've had some really great challenges from some uh, men who have come and challenged you about reaching the world for Christ. And Paul says, yes, keep praying for me that I can do that. One of the things my wife and I will be involved in in, in a couple weeks for about six weeks straight is reaching the people of Germany and Austria and Romania with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can't do it without prayer. We can't do it without people in churches that are filled with the Spirit, that are, that are obeying. And listen, it all starts with having homes that are full of sweetness and kindness, amen? And lives that are full of that joy and expressing ourselves to God in worship and song. And so I, I just want to encourage you as you go forth, Say, God, fill me with the Spirit, and don't wait for some spooky experience. Get into the Word of God. Pray. Ask Him, God, I want to be part of the gospel reaching the world, but let me reach my own heart first, and let me reach my family. Let me submit myself to those around me that we might have that sweet communion, and that I might be filled with the Spirit, and people can see the difference. Amen? So that's, that's my, my, uh, my message to you this morning, and that is... These are things we can do. It's not spooky. It's not mysterious. It's just taking these things and saying, God, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm not going to be a spectator Sunday morning. I'm going to be a participator. I'm not going to be a, a, a someone that, that, that is unthankful and always complaining to God for my circumstances, but to be thankful in everything always in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he has a plan. And last of all, submitting ourselves one to another. It's not just... You know, the person under us submitting, it's both ways. And that's going to bring a, a beautiful, wonderful life that we can go out and reach this world with the gospel. That's what people are looking for, peace and kindness and spirit-filled people. May we have that in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with this church. Thank you for Northwest. Father, I pray that uh, in this community of people that they may be affluent, but some of them are poor in spirit. Some of them, Father, are, they're, they're poor in their relationships. They're poor in their families. Father, this, this world seems to be coming apart at the seams. And, we, and Father, we look at that and we say, God, we want to be part of the solution. 
We want the world to see that we have peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, that we're filled with the Spirit. We don't have to look to wine to drown out the pain, to, to lift us up with joy. We have the truth of your word that as we united, it's, it says there in 1 Corinthians 14, I will sing with the Spirit, but I will sing with the understanding. And so, Lord, may it be something that we take the truth of your word, the truth of who you are, and we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we're thankful in our hearts. We submit one to another and to you. And so, Lord, use us, we pray. Fill us with your spirit as we obey. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.